Welcome into the Unnamed MMA Podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. Along with me, as always, is Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN 1000 And we're brought to you by Puncher's Chance Bourbon. Head to puncherschancebourbon.com to find a retailer near you where you can pick up a bottle. And we have got a special treat for you today. Friend of the show, I think I can say that now. This is like the third or fourth time. Yeah, absolutely. I can say that confidently. Third or fourth time that we've had Bilal Muhammad on. He is undefeated in his last nine fights. He's facing Gilbert Burns on May 6th at UFC 288. It's going to be a huge fight. It's going to be a great fight, hopefully, for Bilal and for us because we're big Bilal Muhammad fans. So Bilal Muhammad joins us right now on the Unnamed MMA Podcast. Bilal, how's it going? Good, my brother. I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, yeah I, would, I would consider myself a friend of the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. We, we like to consider... Listen, if, if people listen to us, like the five people that listen to this podcast, <laughs> we have been trying to get you a fight for the since you won in October. Like, all right, what's next for Bilal? Let's try to get him a fight. Are you surprised by the groundswell of fans that you have that are trying to constantly get you a title shot and kind of like are in your corner, for lack of a better word, uh, trying to find you a fight? Yeah, yeah, it was cool, man, uh, to feel that support and see that support because, like, I put the work in and everybody sees it and everybody sees what I'm putting in and sees that I'm getting, like, held back and I shouldn't be getting held back. And, um, it's just good that it's being noticed now. And, like, even fans that didn't really like me, they, they're like, bro, like, I don't even like him, but, dude, he deserves a title shot more than anybody else. There's nobody else that deserves it more than him. So it's cool when you get, like, fan interactions and stuff like that. But wasn't it a situation, though, Bilal, where, like, it, this was the last guy that I thought you would be fighting. It's not Colby Covington. It's not Leon Edwards. It's not Jorge Masvidal. You know, it's not Hamzat Shemaev. It's Gilbert Burns. Like, at what point did you just <laughs> at what point did you just say, like, look, I got to have a fight. I got to take a fight that puts me in line to fight for the championship. And if it's Gilbert Burns, all right, fine, it's Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I was sitting there stuck, man. I was they, – they were – messing my head up telling me oh you're gonna fight in may then you're gonna fight in uh london like they just kept feeding me like lies of oh you're gonna fight kobe then you're gonna fight um usman and then i was like bro what's what's happening and i'm just sitting there and I'm, a, I'm like a guy like if i'm healthy i want to be fighting because i'm training all the time no matter what and after gilbert fought Mazarov and um he came out and he was like i need, i deserve the title shot next i was like what like, bro, you beat Masvidal, you beat Leon Edwards. I mean, uh, Neil Magny. Like, relax, chill out. There's a, I'm beating way better guys than you, and I'm on a way better streak than you. So I don't know why this guy's coming out saying, oh, if I don't get the title shot next, uh, I want to be cut for the UFC and all this other stuff. And then Dana White's like, oh, yeah, okay, deal. I'll, I'll give you the next shot. And I was like, it just doesn't make any sense. So then uh, when this fallout happened uh, for May 6th of the co-main event with Benio Darush and Oliveira, they called me. Well, actually, I called my manager because I was like, let me get Kobe. I was like, if he just trained for London, it would make sense for me to fight him. And let's see who's really the number one contender because they're already saying he deserves it. And they're like, oh, well, you know, Kobe doesn't want to fight. But, you know, we have Gilbert. He's he's ready to fight. And for me, it was like, all right, well, Gilbert just came off a of camp, fighting Mazarov, didn't take no injuries in there. And I was like, all right, I'm down. Like, if, if, if I'm going to get a guaranteed shot after this, if this is my last fight, that I need to, to win to get the shot, let's do it. And they agreed to it, so then I was like, that's all I need to hear. I just, I just don't want to sit there and have to play the game of what would be next after this. If I win this, what's next? Because there's always an excuse after every one of my fights. It's always, 
oh, this guy was old. Oh, this guy didn't have wrestling. Oh, this guy uh, wasn't as good as we thought he was. So me taking a fight on three weeks' notice to fight a guy who's just coming off a full camp, I go in there, I smash him. Like, there is no excuse. Well, the other interesting thing about this fight is that it's five rounds. And I, I, I look, I know we know you. That's not going to be a problem for you from a cardio standpoint. But, like, was that, when did that become a part of the negotiations? Because it's a co-main event. And it's not for a title, yet it's five rounds. Honestly, I asked for it because I, I wanted the moment to be bigger. Like, this is my title shot moment, I think. This is my moment right here where I need to go all in. So I wanted it to feel like a title shot. I wanted it to be real. Like, I, told, I kept telling myself, if this was a title shot and they called me three weeks notice, I wouldn't hesitate to say yes. So if they're guaranteeing me a title shot with a win here, then I want it to be five rounds. I want it to be like my title shot. I want it to be like an interim fight, title fight. So I wanted the moment just to be that bigger because, like, I could do a three-round fight in my sleep, but I wanted to have those extra nerves in my head of, all right, this is a five-round fight. This is a real fight. This is this is big. So I, I, to add to the frustration with the UFC, it's got to be a joke at this point, right, where you keep getting offered fights where you have to start training during Ramadan, right? Oh my god! I, I literally tell myself all the time, like, "Yeah, bro, like, next time during Ramadan, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it." Then it's like the final week of Ramadan, and they're like, "Hey," uh, and I was like, "Man, I, I knew you guys would do it. I, I like it happens. It's like clockwork." And this time they're like, "Well, last week of Ramadan, let me let me let's get him now." And it's just funny how it always turns out that way. It does. So how does that change? I know we've talked to you in the past when you've, when you've trained during Ramadan, but like this being the last week, last week, and then now you've got two weeks to, you know, cut whatever you need to prepare for this fight. How are you, you know, physically getting ready for this fight on three weeks notice? For me, it was just mentally, men, my mental game is always strong during Ramadan. So like I knew that mentally I was going to be prepared and ready to, to go to war. The only other part was just the weight and the, the physicalness. So I went in there you know, we, we have like our, we give ourselves like a little test of how we compete and how we're going to push ourselves. And, you know, the last four days of Ramadan where I was fasting, I was still sparring. I was going hard three rounds, hard four rounds, hard five rounds. And I wanted to see how I felt in there. And I did really well. So that, that's what made me, gave me the confidence to agree to the fight and push for the fight. Because obviously I didn't have to take the fight on three weeks notice. I could have sat there and been like, let's, I'll just wait for something else. I was looking at, to fight Usman in July. But then, like I said, like almost like these are, I feel like where, you know, careers are defined, where, you know, guys go out there and nobody expects you to win. Nobody, everybody's wondering how you did it or why the heck did this guy take this chance? And it's just because I know how good I am. I know I'm the best in the world. So when I go out there and I show you guys I could beat this guy who is number five in the world at three weeks notice, it's going to prove to you guys, actually show you guys, I am the best in the world. There's nobody out there that, that's better than me. But, but well, the, the story's out there. You're cutting 44 pounds. <laughs> what what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that, that was a joke. That was, uh, <laughs> I was sitting there talking with Brad Algamoto, and I'm, like, sitting there, like, laughing as I'm talking to him, and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, he's like, how much weight? I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I got nothing big deal. Like, I'm, like, 215 pounds right now. It's nothing. Nothing big. He's like, wait, that's like 40 pounds. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of potatoes in the morning. So, uh, you know, they, they they add a little bit of weight on. And then, like, for me, my sense of humor is always sarcastic. And I, and I like, I finished the conversation, and my nutritionist like, man, I think he believes it. And I'm like, nah, he obviously has to know it's a joke. 
And he's like, no, I don't, I don't think a lot of people get your sense of humor. Like, you have to know me to get my sense of humor. And I was like, really? And then I saw the article, and I was like, oh, my God. And I, like, I was getting calls from so many people. And I just, like, started busting out laughing. And I was like, bro, I'm not cutting 44 pounds in a week. I'm not right, going to th- die. Thankfully, because yeah. we know what you're going through with Ramadan, and now you're adding that to, well, to the mix. But people don't understand, Bilal. You can put on weight during Ramadan. People are like, how are you getting bigger during Ramadan? It's like, because I eat for four hours at a time. I just gorge myself <laughs> so much. And then your metabolism slows down so much that, you know, like I see my cousins and stuff. I'm like, dude, you got a little thicker during Ramadan. Are you sure this fast is going well for you? I tell people that. I'm like... Bro, if you're not, like, when I do hard camps during it, I have to be so meticulous and, you know, have everything dialed in. This time, I was, like, enjoying it because I, like, I don't know, I got no fight in the book. I'm going to my mom's house, you know, she's making every sweet in the book, and I'm eating all the sweets and everything. <laughs> so then, yeah, and then, like, literally when they called me for the fight, I was in Canada doing, like, a charity trip, and I was like, oh, I got to try Canada poutine. And I'm, like, over there in the restaurant, and all of a sudden they call me, like, hey, can you fight? And I'm like, Man, I got these fries right in front of me right now. <laughs> they look so good. Uh, but, yeah, like, people just don't understand how hard it is. That's one of the reasons why I'm telling these guys, like, it's not going to be easy. But I know mentally I'm strong enough to get through it. And I know mentally it's going to make me work that much harder and it's going to make me push that much harder in the fight because I know that I'm doing stuff that he's not doing. So yesterday on Instagram you posted a flyer from a fight card that you were involved on almost, I don't know how many, how old this is, but it was on Saturday, May 7th, whatever year this was, in the Willowbrook Ballroom in Willow Springs, Illinois. First of all, the glow-up is real because, no offense, but this looks like, you look like kind of like a creative character, like in, <laughs> like in a boxing uh, like video game where like kind of everyone does. But how long ago, what year was this from, and like how far, when you post something like that and you look back and reflect on your career, like now you're in a co-main event, you've been main event, Muhammad, you're hopefully, you know, hopefully going to be getting a title shot if you win uh, next Saturday. So, like, how long ago was this post? Like, how long ago was this flyer made? And, like, how far have you come in that journey to where you're going to be on Saturday night? Yeah, it's cool. You know, when you go like, on Facebook and they'll show you your Facebook memories, that memory was, like, from 12 years ago. And it was, like, one of those things where you thought you were so cool because you were on a poster. And that's all I wanted to be on was a poster. And, you know, it was for an amateur fight. And, like, I get those feelings back when I, when I always look at those. I lo- always love those memories because it, it makes me be appreciative appreciative of where I am today. Be grateful for where I am today because where I am now is where I was wishing I would be back then. And back then when you were younger and you had this dream and you're like, nobody sees the dream but you. And you know that you're just going to keep grinding and pushing. And, you know, you had that goal, that vision. And you're just going to keep pushing it. And everybody's laughing at you. Like you said, you're up fighting it. Will the book ball, ballroom? The tickets are like twenty bucks. I'm selling the tickets, driving, begging people to buy tickets for for uh, for the card, so I can look cool. Like I have a lot of people in the stands, and to see where I am now uh, on a pay per view, co main event number four in the world. Uh, it's it just it keeps me humble and it also keeps me hungry because, like I said, it's not about the goal was always to get the gold. It wasn't like. When the UFC called me for this fight, I wasn't going to sit there and be like, oh, well, pay me $10 million and I'll do it. Like, I, It wasn't for that because I know in the end, the money doesn't really matter to me at the beginning. I was just hungry for the gold. I was hungry to be a world champion and show I'm the best in the world. So, like, I didn't want to have to go through these. I, you know, I was going with my manager. I was like, oh, let me get this or let me get that. And I, was, I had to remind myself that, like, bro, 
we're not in it for that. We're in it to show these people, to prove to these people what we can do and what we can be. And that's what got me going. That's what got me hungry again. Like, you guys watch that uh, that movie uh, Air with uh, about Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. That Matt Damon speech that he gave to Jordan when he was sitting in there, it, like, got me so hyped up. And I was like, bro, let's go. But well, I was not lying. I mean, you got 500 hours to show, 500 hours to win, maybe, and then you had to sell your tickets. And that's how mm-hmm. you really made your money. Oh, yeah. Uh, bro, this- I got $250 to show, $250 to win. And I'm like... <laughs> Telling my mom, and then like, oh yeah, you I know, made I got it. Like five thousand dollars, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like if they would have told them I was going to pay you two hundred fifty dollars, they would like laugh at me or like told me to stop, like go back to school. What's wrong with you? Are you dumb? Yeah. <laughs> well, Valel, hey, you know the other thing that you've, you you've kind of evolved into is a broadcaster. We've seen you on the desk before. <laughs> um, one of your buddies, uh, Paul Felder, was calling a, a fight. And he got a little emotional uh, when he saw Jared Gordon, his buddy, your buddy, uh, you know, take a headbutt and, you know, lost in the moment. It obviously got ruled a no contest. But do you think back to, like, how you would have reacted, how you would have called if you were in Paul Felder's shoes? Yeah, you know, that's why I tell people it's hard because when you do see your, your friends that are close friends, and they're really close friends, and you see them, you know how hard they work. You're always talking. You're always asking them how you're feeling, what you're doing. What's up? And you'll like, I always get more nervous when my friends are fighting than when I'm fighting because, like, I, I want to see them win so bad. So when that happened to him, and like a guy like Jared Gordon, where like his story is so crazy, and to see him like get headbutted and dropped, and he was doing so well in the fight, like, I understood where Paul was coming from, and he got him so emotional, and like, I, I could feel it in him. And like, I was having those same emotions, and like, I was like texting him during the broadcast, like, oh my, like, what the heck? That's crazy. He's headbutted. And he like messaged me, like, Hey, did I get really emotional on? Uh, did it sound emotionally bad on on the air? And I'm like, not crazy, but like obviously you could tell you were emotional, but like not crazy. But I just think that you know he's human, and they, like the the UFC knows it too. I think for somebody like him, I think maybe the UFC needs to like, all right, well if it's a close close friend, maybe not let him be the the broadcaster for it or let him sit out that fight because it's hard. And we've seen it with like DC uh, doing it with his guys. Like they're not biased. But obviously, to see your friend get hurt like that with a headbutt, and it was like an illegal move, and the ref saying, oh, it was a knockout, you're like, bro, how the heck is that a knockout? It was a headbutt. Like, come on, go look at the replay. That's understandable. Who, who is that fighter for you? Who is who is the closest relationship you have uh, with someone in the UFC? Jared Gordon, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Me, and him, me and him were roommates for uh, two years. And I, my brother, I was going to go to Vegas. And I was supposed to be with him in his corner uh, for that fight. But then they called me up for the my fight. So I was like, oh, man, like we were on the edge. Uh, every day he was calling me, hey, are you coming? Are you not coming? What's happening in the fight? Is the fight happening or not happening? And I was like, bro, I'm waiting for the UFC to let me know if it's a go or not go. I don't know if you consider yourself a veteran uh, in the UFC or not, but you've been doing this a while now. Who are some of the the younger fighters that you're intrigued that are coming up? Because I know you've got the you know the bully Bix, and you, we've seen you in the corner for a couple guys like Jordan mentioned. Like, who are some of the younger fighters that interest you that are just getting into the UFC? Yeah, um, one of my teammates who who, who won in Miami and that Miami card, Ignacio Bahamunda, he's from uh, Chile. The kid's a, a monster, like probably one of the best strikers that I've ever gone with in my life, and. He's still only like 25 years old. Also, who was also on that card was Christian Rodriguez, who really beat a big hype train in that uh, on that day, and he wanted he wanted the pay per view opener where you know everybody was doubting him and everybody uh, had their hype on that Raul Rosa. And I was like, man, the UFC fudged up by giving him Christian because I trained with Christian and Christian is so good, and he went out there and he killed that hype train. So uh, 
those two right there are probably the, the best up-and-comers that I see in the UFC right now. And Ignacio is the guy that had the uh, spinning kick against Roosevelt Roberts, I think, a couple of fights yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's, the guy, that, that's what I said. I'm like, that kid's a, that's just a small taste of how good he is. And he's going to be having a lot more fights like that. But uh, going with him every single day, I'm like, bro, like, these are what these young, the new next generation is coming up. I'm like, bro, I need to get the title and get the heck out. <laughs> I don't know how dialed in you are to this, but tonight is the NFL draft. The Bears have the ninth overall pick. I know you've been to games and stuff like that. Uh, you are obviously from Chicago. I know you're a Bears fan as well. What do you think they should do? Do you have any insight into what you think the uh, the Bears should do here in the draft? I mean, I, we, the biggest thing we need is, I think, the offensive line. Like, I, I don't really care about pieces. I mean, if you can't protect freaking fields, it's going to be another long season. So I think definitely I think the offensive line more than anything. What do you guys think? I, I, I think if they're still there at nine and there's a good defensive player, I would, I would go defensive player. I would take like a defensive end like Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter yeah. if he falls that far, something like that. I think the offensive line just needs some time to gel and they'll figure it out. I don't think they were as bad as people thought they were when they were fully healthy last year. So I would go defense or else if all the offensive linemen are there, trade back and get one a little bit later. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, freaking seeing how good Jimmy Butler is, is like makes me so depressed about Chicago sports. I'm like, <laughs> man, we had him on our team and we let him go. We're some, we're morons. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely the one that got away. So, Bilal, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. UFC 288, the co-main event against Gilbert, against Gilbert Burns. That is next Saturday, May 6th. You know we'll be behind you as well. All of Chicago is going to be behind you for this fight, as we always tell you when you join us here ahead of these fights. We're always rooting for you, as is all of Chicago. We really appreciate your time, man, and good luck on Saturday. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you guys. That was Bilal Muhammad. Check him out at UFC 288 taking on Gilbert Burns. I'm Adam Abdallah along with Jordan Sherwood. We're brought to you by Puncher's Chance Bourbon. Head to puncherschancebourbon.com to pick up a bottle today. And thank you for listening to the Unnamed MMA Podcast.